Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Perringer. But I am thankful for the opportunity to be able to, anytime I can speak about the Lord, I'm happy. Now, you may not be happy with the way I present it, but it is going to be what's in the scripture and as I as brother Al has said many times Chad has said if you hear something don't just take my word for what's being said here tonight you check everything that I say with the word of God because if I'm wrong I will come back and tell you I'm wrong I do not want to misrepresent uh, the gospel in any way so tonight uh, I did something that's very unbaptist I have no points I'm going to do an overview of James chapter 1. You'll see the scriptures on the, on the screens as I call them out. Um, James was uh, Jesus' brother, and he wrote this letter sometime around, they think, 49 AD. Uh, there was, he was a leader in the Jerusalem church, and the, there was a lot of persecution going on that some of the Christians had kind of, uh, well, kind of moved astray. They, they were not living according to what was being taught and so it's funny how in AD 49 this was what needed to be said and here we are in 2023 and it's just uh, as relevant today as it was I'm sure back then so uh, we're going to talk about trials and tribulations and I'm just going to kind of go through this chapter and I just want you to kind of keep an open mind think about um, you know what you may be going through in your life why you're going through some of the things you're going through and and then let's see if we can pull it all together at the end how about that uh, in verse 2 and 3 we'll start right there in verse 2 and 3 in chapter 1 of James it says consider it pure joy my brothers whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance now notice first of all that James does not say if he says whenever because you're going to have trials if you're following Christ. Amen? They're not fun. But he says it should be pure joy. Hmm. However, if our goal in life is to be, be holy and pleasing before God, in order to have that kind of life, then we have to have trials and tribulations. They're necessary to help us grow in our faith. If you look at verse 3, again it says, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Trials are either going to draw you closer to God or they're going to pull you farther away from God. But the purpose of trials should be to help us persevere in our pursuit of holiness before God. Verse 4 reads, perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything persevering through trials helps us grow up spiritually uh, we may not understand why we're going through these these certain trials and tribulations but when if we are persevering we will continue to mature in our christian walk sometimes during these trials we really don't know what to do well the good news is in the next verse he tells us exactly what to do when we don't know what to do he says in, in verse 5 he says if any of you lack wisdom you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. So we need to ask God for wisdom to know what to do, know what to say. And he, give, he will give us the ability to make wise decisions 
in very difficult circumstances. The Bible says that he gives it generously without finding fault to all without finding fault. So we should ask God to help us to know the right things to do. We need to study his word because that's where we learn as well, correct? And, and then he is faithful. He's faithful to reveal the answers. And if we'll continue to persevere in our pursuit of holiness before God, he will continue to show us what he needs us to know. Verse 6 through 8 says, But when he asked, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. To believe and not doubt. The, to believe and not doubt is, is not the belief in whatever outcome that you want. We kind of miss that sometimes in our Christian walk. It's the belief that Christ is who he says he is. It's the belief that Christ truly loves us and wants what's best for us. It's us relying on Christ and expecting him to listen to our prayer and answer our prayer according to his will and not our own. If this happens in our lives, we, we must also believe that God knows what we need. We have to accept that, uh, that he chooses uh, to listen to our prayers because he said he would, right? And after he listens to our prayer, he uses his great wisdom to give us what we need to continue in our pursuit of him. See, we, we talked about this a lot. I'm kind of getting off right here, but we pray for things that we want. But do we, I am really getting off because this is going to come up later. But do we really, we, we, we have to understand that God knows more than we know. So when he does listen to our prayers, he knows what we need because it's all about us pursuing God. He wants to have a closer relationship with us and we need to have a closer relationship with him. So when we ask God for wisdom or we pray for certain situations, do we totally and completely believe God's way is the best? Or are we trusting our own desires and our own limited wisdom? A mind that wavers whether God will give wisdom and truly work things out for his glory in our life is not totally trusting and relying on God. So, or, so we are like the waves of the ocean. They're just kind of tossed back and forth and they're restless. Doubting or relying on self will always produce an unsettling in your spirit. Always. But if we truly believe God knows what is best and that he truly loves us and he'll give us wisdom and strength to persevere through our trials, that's when joy from the Lord can be found in the midst of a trial. It's what it said in, in, in verse 2. Let's go on to 9 through 11. There's many other things. Somebody told me, are you going to preach for five minutes? And I said, well, that was you, wasn't it? I've already taken my five minutes. I'm on verse 9, so it's probably going to be a little more than five minutes. Uh, verse 9 through 11 says, The brother is humble in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position. But the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossoms fall and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. In our earthly minds, 
in our eyes and minds. We place people with many possessions, lots of money, a little bit of higher position than people with humble means. However, God doesn't really care at all about your earthly possessions. He cares about your heart and he cares about your soul. There's nothing wrong with wealth, but there's something wrong with pursuing wealth over God. The humble should take pride in their high position. In 1 Corinthians 12, 22, I don't have that, Stephen. Uh, this scripture, uh, Paul is talking about what makes up the body of Christ. And he says, on the contrary, those parts or those members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. You see, God loves everybody the same. There is no pecking order for God. There's nothing wrong with having money and there's nothing wrong with not having money. God loves you the same and expects each person, rich or poor, to pursue and persevere in our trials. God has given you everything that you have. He can take everything away if he chooses. It's his. The question is, will we continue to love and live for Christ and persevere in our faith? We came into this world with nothing. When we leave this world... If we're in Christ, we leave with everything. I'm waiting. I figure somebody would say, what do you mean you, go, you leave with everything? But somebody got it, didn't they? Nothing on this earth we will take with us. But if we're in Christ, we have everything. Everything this world has to offer is in Christ. Verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Persevering under trials will bring great blessings to you in the long run, to all of us. It's not a promise here on this earth, even though good things do happen on this earth, right? I mean, there are good things that happen to us as we we've, we've pursue Christ. Uh, but when we finish the race, it's where it is. The blessings of God. Some of the trials that we face in our pursuit of holiness toward God is there to help us grow spiritually. And however, some of the trials that we face are because of our lack of pursuit of holiness as well. So even though God does allow trials uh, and to help us grow up spiritually, there are many trials that we face that we cause because of our selfish ambition. If you look at 13 through 15, it kind of tells us about this. Uh, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Many of the things... Um, we go through in life are because of our own lack of self-control. God does not tempt us. We choose to, to give in to our own evil desires. And we make all kinds of excuses when we do. Well, it's the other person's fault. The problem with that is that we're all going to face Jesus and got to give account for our own sin, right? On that excuse. I couldn't help it. Well, yeah, you could. You just chose, you, we chose to do it our way, right? You could have helped it. Everybody's doing it. I love this one that says everybody's doing it. I got news for you. The Bible says that very small is the gate that leads to life and only few is going to find it. You better not be on that one. 
That's an er, absolute terrible excuse. It was just a mistake. Well, you know, it could be a mistake, but it still might be a sin. And we have to own up to it. Nobody's perfect. Well, Jesus is, but nobody else. That's true, but that still doesn't say, it still doesn't, doesn't uh, um, uh, excuse our sinfulness. The devil made me do it. Well, we just saw in the scripture that that's not the case because it says when uh, it's our own evil desires that we're dragged away and enticed. I was pressured into it. Yeah, no, probably not. And if you were, you still have to take responsibility. I didn't know it was wrong. I love that one. I didn't know it was wrong. You know, there, God put into every person, whether they're, whether they're a, a Christian or not, put into every person a sense of righting wrong. If you're having to hide something, you know it's wrong. And, and, and I'm, I, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Whether you're a Christian or non-Christian, if you decide to have an affair, you don't do it in front of everybody. You hide it because you know it's wrong, right? Uh, or maybe you are watching things that you shouldn't be watching on TV or whatever, and, but if someone was there, you wouldn't watch it, but if they're not there, you are watching it. Well, you know it's wrong in your spirit, if that's the case. And the last one is God is tempting me, and of course we know that God's not tempting anyone because he's not tempted with sin. We have to take responsibility for our own actions. And we must realize that some of the trials that we face are, are there because of our selfish desires. And we can still learn from the trials that we cause. Uh, but many things we go through, maybe we don't have to face if, if we would just maybe not be so selfish. Chapter, I mean, verse 17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. He does not change like shifting sh shadows. God has given perfect gifts for us when we choose to do it his way. God has set forth a standard to live by. That standard is the word of God. It doesn't change. It's never going to change, even though some people try to change it. And I'm not saying that God doesn't allow thorns in our flesh because we know that he does. I'm saying that many of the things that we face are because of us, not God. If you look back at at verse 2 and 3, again, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that testing your faith develops perseverance. If we're in the midst of a trial, and we know that we have sought the Lord for wisdom and knowledge for what to do, and we know that we have done things according to His Word, when we lay our head down at night, I can see how joy could come through the midst of a trial, couldn't you? We did it His way. Joy could be there in a trial. But if we're doing things our way and things that don't line up with the teaching of the word, you're never, it's never going to bring joy. I know because I've lived it and I still live it sometimes. You probably have too, right? Verse 19 through 21. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Now, this is the perfect example of the trials that I have in my life that I cause. This one right here. I am slow to listen. Now, my wife says I never listen, but I always hear it the second or third time. So I, I'm just slow. I do listen sometimes. I'm fast to speak, too fast to become angry and frustrated. There are many trials I face because of this one issue. Now, this may not be your weakness. You may have something else that is a weakness that is causing you issues. 
When I'm too quick to speak or become angry too fast, when I lay my head down at night, my spirit is in knots. I, I have no joy. I have no happiness. I have no peace. I, I just feel sick that I know that once again I've chose my own selfish ways instead of God's way. But when I face a trial and I know that I've done it God's way, the biblical way, I have a sense of joy and peace even in the midst of the trial. Verse 22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself, do what it says. It's not good enough just to know what to do. We must do what the word says. Uh, verse 19 says, to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I know what's supposed to be done, and I cannot make an excuse to why I didn't act according to God's word. I, I can't. It's, it, sin is sin. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Verse 23 through 25 says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Do you notice that last line? It says he will be blessed in what he does. God will bless those who persevere and do things his way. Verse 26. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. James 3.8 says this, No man can tame the tongue, it is restless evil, full of deadly poison. Keeping a tight rein on our tongue is something that God has to help us with because we don't have the ability, I don't, we don't have the ability to do it on our own. All of us are capable of speaking words uh, that are a blessing or a hindrance to the ongoing the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we must watch the things that we say, and it's not easy, but with God's help, we can be a blessing to others, and I'll talk on that in just a minute. Verse 27. Religion that God, our Father, accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. There are always people that are less fortunate than we are. Our job is to help others and not tear them down. That goes especially in the church. We're here as Christians to help people in their pursuit of holiness for God. We're not here to tear people down. This is another reason that we need to persevere in our trials because many people have no hope in this life. But as Christians... We know that this life is temporary. And we can tell others about salvation and, and, and that God offers through Christ. However, if we allow the trials that we face to tear us down or we're tearing other people down when they're in trials and we're not trying to help them, how are, we, are they going to help anybody? We have to persevere so that our faith will become strong in the Lord. Lastly, we must keep ourselves from being polluted by the world. We cannot do what God so will is when we allow worldly things to rule us. This goes back to our selfish desires. It cannot be what we want, but what God wants. My prayer for myself and for you daily would be this, and it is my prayer for me daily. God, protect me from the ways of the world and keep me pure and holy physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and financially. I added financially about it six months ago. 
Because in my life, I can let finances bother. I can let, I can let the worry of finances uh, get a hold of me. And I want to be pure and holy before him physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and financially. I don't enjoy having trials in my life, do you? I guess you do. You didn't say anything. But I know at time God allows it, right? He allows these trials to build our faith. I just don't want to face those trials that I'm causing. Because I'm selfish and I'm not doing it his way. And I don't know what you're facing in your life. You do. It could be something that um, you're having to face that's selfish on your part, or it could be something God's placed in your life. It doesn't really matter. God can still use any of the trials, either if we cause them or if he brings them upon us, to build our relationship with Jesus Christ. If you look back at 2 through 4, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And I want to be mature, mature in my walk with Christ. What about you? Maturity only comes when we persevere in the trials in our pursuit of holiness before God. I, I'm just going to just lay my life out before you right here. And maybe I won't cry. Maybe I will. If you knew me seven, eight years ago, and you know me now, you probably have seen a difference in me. And it's not because of me. It's because of God, because of Christ. I have always had an issue, and this is still my struggle with um, just when you call it a temper, you can call it whatever you want to call it. It's, it's the thorn in my flesh that I deal with. I grew up in a great Christian home. My mom um, grew up in a home that was really tough. She uh, you know, the police would come and fight their brothers. You know, it was that kind of, uh, it was really bad situation. And 12 years old, some, her and some of her sisters got on a church bus and went to Faith Temple Church, and she was saved at 12 years old. So we had a really good Christian home, but one thing that we brought into the home, we screamed and hollered at one another, we got it over with, and it was done. That was just life. I got to about my senior year of high school in the first year of college, and I realized, hey, something, this ain't right. Other people are not really doing this, and it's not a good Christian witness, but I was struggling. I was reading my Bible. I was praying. Um, it, you're probably going to think this is silly, but my grandparents lived with us for a while, and they loved professional wrestling, and I realized that I was acting just like them because I was watching it, and, you know, I was acting just like them. So I stopped watching professional wrestling, think that would help, and it did for a little bit. And, and then um, I started band directing. That, that was tough uh, for having a, having a temper. Uh, the noise was whew, rough, and the disobedience was not good either. Uh, but anyway, so that wasn't good. I was still reading and praying and trying everything I could possibly try. I was teaching, I was coaching my kids in ball, and, uh, and one day I realized I cannot head coach. I just can't do it. I, I mean, I could not control it. And so I stopped coaching, uh, head coaching. I decided I would I would be an assistant coach. That didn't work either because I didn't like what the head coach was doing. So I, I had to, you know, stop coaching altogether. Brother was playing ball at Westminster, and I would get upset, so i just walk out to the outfield when nobody was around. Well, you know, no one heard me, but God did. Didn't solve the issue. But then God revealed to me in my prayer time that I couldn't do it on my own. 
I could try. I mean, yeah, I was reading, I was praying, but I, there was something missing. And you've heard me speak of this many times. The armor of God. I've read that many times. But we're in a spiritual battle. And if the Bible says that you can't tame the tongue, then you can't tame the tongue, but God can. And so I started putting the armor of God on. But I didn't just put the armor of God on. I went, as Jesus was in the, in the wilderness, he was fighting the devil. He used the word of God. He was the word, and he was still using the word of God. So I thought, well, I need to find scripture that goes along with my issues. And I need to pray those over me every day. And that's what I did. I started finding scriptures that dealt with the tongue, the heart, the attitudes. And, and something changed in me. Now, I don't have it together, okay? I still have the issue. But I had a good Christian friend here. He's not here. But it was David Farmer. Set me down one day. And you remember I told you that we try to build people up instead of tear them down? He set me down, he said, because he loved me. And he said, you got to get a hold of this, Brian, if you're going to do great things for the Lord. I'll never forget it. I wish he was here so we could hear it. That made another change in my life. See, because if you have this kind of issue and someone comes at you with the same issue, or maybe they don't have the issue, but they're, they're yelling and screaming at you because you've done something dumb, nobody, how, why am I going to listen? You're doing the same thing I just did. But when someone comes to me in love and they want to help me, that's something totally different. So I'm just going to kind of tell you some of the scriptures because I want to encourage you. It's not about what, I'm not trying to, I can't brag about anything. This is all God. But I can at least tell you what I've done. That way, if you're having issues, whatever that issue may is, you can go to the Word of God and maybe you can do some of the same things and see what God does for you. Because He made a change in me. I, I put on the helmet of salvation and I've prayed... I pray Romans 12 too. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, His pleasing and perfect will. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I put the breastplate of righteousness on. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, my God, my Redeemer, my King, create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not the Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation. Put the belt of truth on, and I, I acknowledge who Jesus is. He's the truth. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. His word is truth, according to John 17, 17. And thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, according to Psalms 119, 105. And I take up the shield of faith because I need protection. Thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, the glory and the lifter of my head. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the ends of the earth will I call unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Show me your ways, God, and teach me your path.
There's more. There's more. Fear not, for I am with thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art my, when thou passest through the water, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. And walking through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, even though the flames kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. And I take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It is active. It's alive and it's sharper than any double-edged sword, even in the dividing of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy unfailing love, according to thy great compassions. Blot out my transgressions, wash away my iniquities, and cleanse me from all my sins. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I thank him for, my, for the Holy Spirit allowing me to be saved. I thank him for my parents and my grandparents and my aunts and uncles and my brothers and sisters and brothers and sisters in Christ and pastors and teachers and Melaine and her side of the family and the God that he sent when I was 13 years old to the youth camp that I could hear the gospel and be saved. And I know I'm saved because Romans 10, 9 through 13 says, if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, I'll be saved. For it's with the heart one believes and is justified. with the mouth one professes their faith and is saved. For Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there's no difference in Jew and Gentile. The same God, Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all those that call upon his name. I like to remind Satan of that one, that I'm saved. And then I put the shoes of the gospel piece on. I said, you know, Help me be ready in season, out of season, share the gospel with the people I come in contact with. And then I start praying for people. People that I know that are not saved. My friends, my family, you. I tell you this not to pat myself on the back. I tell you this because it made a change in me. When I started praying the word of God, it made a change that I sought for. For 45, 46, 47, 48 years. And it can make a change in you too. So I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your situation is. Put your armor on. Find the scriptures that goes along with what you're dealing with. And allow God to be God in your life. And he will. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at kidsquest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening, and God bless.